This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Garvin. You can find me on Twitter at RayGQ or DynastyGQ. That's Q-U-E. And you heard it right, the Destination Debbie Podcast. I'm giving you what you came here for, Debbie Dynasty content, quick, fast, and in a hurry. I'm not going to take all your time. I'm not going to waste time beating around the bush. I know you got things to do. Places to go, kids to feed, and spouses to please, so I got you covered. I am a lover of all things college football. I'm watching college football on Thursdays, on Saturdays, and when the MAC conference plays on Tuesdays, I'm probably watching those games as well. High school football is also a major aspect of Dynasty that most people don't realize or, quite frankly, have the time to pay attention to, but Dynasty is a game of chess, not checkers, so you need to. You know, there are tons of great podcasts out there in the fantasy football community, many that focus on your redraft leagues or traditional dynasty leagues, and there are some that do focus on Debbie League specifically. Well, this show is going to be a blend of Debbie League and traditional dynasty league content with a focus and emphasis on Debbie. I believe that blending the three football entities, high school, college, and the NFL together can only make you better equipped as dynasty owners to strategically make moves throughout your fantasy season to position your team for short and long-term success. Now, we can't assume that everyone watches college football, let alone high school football. I happen to live in the great state of Texas, home to the best high school football in the nation. That is fact, not opinion, people. But most people have a hard enough time keeping up with what's going on in the NFL, let alone time to watch college or a high school game. The good news is you don't have to try to keep up with all that. You don't have to try to figure it all out. Just subscribe to this podcast and I'll have you covered year round from in-season weekly updates on top Debbie players to where those five-star recruits are headed, what's going on at spring practices, as well as NFL uh, dynasty relevant topics. And I promise you two things if you stick with me. I'm going to get you in and out. I, I, I know you don't want to listen to me talk for an hour and a half. And I, I, quite frankly, I don't have an hour and a half to talk to you every other night. So I'm going to try to be as efficient and effective as possible in as short amount of time as, as I possibly can. So you can go check out some other great podcasts and Dynasty content. And two, I'm going to keep it real with you at all times, right? I'm not going to agree with popular opinion just because that's what everyone is saying or that's what consensus says. I'm going to keep it real and I'm going to tell you why I feel the way I feel or what I see um, when I'm analyzing the tape or uh, looking at the data. 
And I consider myself a film guy. If, if you know, I, I know there's a lot of, you know, debate on Twitter, you know, film versus analytics. I think, I think both are very, very important. I'd say I'm 51% film and 49% analytic. I like to see it. And then hopefully the data or what I see backs up the data or what I, or what the data says is backed up by the film. But I'm always going to keep it real with you. And I welcome conversation, dialogue. Hit me up on Twitter. I respond to anybody. I don't care how many followers you have. If you listen, if you take time to listen to this podcast and you seek me out on social media to ask me questions, I will do my best to respond to you. Now, who the hell am I and why should you listen to this podcast? If you do follow me on Twitter, you may know that I am a Dynasty contributor for DynastyNerds.com. This podcast is not a part of the Dynasty Nerds Network, but I have to give Garrett Price and Rich Dotson a major shout out. You know, they have allowed me to share my Dynasty opinions with the community through the Nerds platform, and I truly, truly appreciate them and what they're doing with Dynasty Nerds. They're building a great Dynasty content platform over there with great writers, um, awesome content. So this is a shameless plug for them, but head on over to DynastyNerds.com and support them. My work is over there along with other ton, with tons of other great Dynasty content. Now, I played football at the great Shadron State College. <laughs> it's a Division II school in Nebraska. I was a defensive back there, and I played with uh, – I was a part of the same recruiting class, and I got to see Danny Woodhead day in and day out on the field and off the field, how he worked – Um, the things that he did on the field. And when I'm just a little insight, when I'm looking at talent from a small school, I want to see complete domination. And that's what Danny did. Go look up his stats. They are just unreal. And I was able to see that for three years of, of him doing out of this world stuff. So, you know, that's another topic for another show, but just a little insight as to who I am and why I'm so passionate about college football and in dynasty in particular. So my last housekeeping matter before we get rolling is I just have to say that I have a newfound respect for each and every podcaster out there, period. I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care if you've got a podcast on how to apply makeup or gardening or fantasy football. Most people think this thing is just as simple as plugging a microphone in the computer, hitting record, boom, there you go. You got a podcast. No, 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 no. It's much more complicated than just that, especially when you're doing it on your own. No co-host, no production team. You have to record it, mix it, edit it. And if you want it to sound halfway decent and professional, it takes time to put out a good quality product. So I just want to say that, you know, to everyone out there doing this, especially those doing it on your own, salute. I respect you. Newfound, newfound respect for what you're doing out there keep on keep on grinding but what we've come here for some Debbie dynasty content let's get right into it i said earlier that we can't assume that everyone watches college football we also can't assume that everyone knows what Debbie leagues are so real quick what is Debbie and how does it differ from your traditional dynasty leagues well Debbie is short for developmental and the only real difference outside of you know, certain league settings is the ability to draft college players before they enter their names for the NFL draft. Some Debbie leagues also allow for the acquisition of high school prospects. However, I don't play in any of those leagues. 
Most Debbie drafts consist of a one or two round Debbie draft right after your league's annual rookie draft takes place. The players selected in that Debbie draft are removed from the next year's upcoming rookie class draft pool. So one of the questions that I'm often met with is, well, if you're selecting rookies from, you know, the upcoming rookie draft pool, doesn't that water down those selections throughout the year? And I say two things to that. One, not everybody selected in the Debbie draft will come from that year's class of rookies. So let's take this year, for example, if you were about to partake in a Debbie draft, you'll have some players who are selected from the 2020 class, which, yes, part of that kind of affects you know, what those 2020 picks would be worth this upcoming fantasy season, but there will be players selected, you know, from the 2021 class or the 2022 class. So not everyone selected in that Debbie draft is going to come from that next year's crop of rookies. And two, each and every college football season, there are new players that emerge, you know, that weren't on the radar, you know, in August or September that end up being top picks at their respective position or, very viable uh, draft prospects. So long story short, Debbie leagues are really not that much different than your traditional dynasty leagues. I mean, it is a dynasty league. You just have the ability to roster collegiate players. So if you love college football, if you love high school football and you follow it, you track it, I think you should give it a shot. You know, give it a shot before you knock it. I think it would be something that would add a little more strategy um, to how you play dynasty. And the way that would take place is look at Saquon Barkley, for example. It was part of the 2018 draft class. If you knew his freshman year at Penn State back in 2015 that Saquon Barkley was going to be a generational all-world talent and you had the Debbie 101 or 102 in that 2015 Debbie draft, you could have selected Saquon Barkley, but he would have sat on your, your bench and been an unusable asset you know, for three years until he is actually drafted by the Giants. So there's still a little bit of strategy that takes place. You know, do you want that per- that player to sit for a couple of years or do you want to get some somebody that's going to contribute that very next year? So again, if you love college, if you love high school and you follow the game, give Debbie a shot. I think you would absolutely love it and enjoy the hell out of it. One of the more interesting topics that I've come across over the past month or two is the super in tune dynasty owner that wants nothing to do with college football. They just don't like the game. They don't pay attention to it. And outside of your top prospects. So let's take this year, for example, DeAndre Swift or Jerry Judy. They have absolutely no clue who's in the 2020 class. They've heard it's deep, but they couldn't name 12 players from that class. And and I find that fascinating because as dynasty owners, it seems like, you know, college football and, and the NFL should, should go hand in hand. If you want to be a good dynasty owner, it, it seems to me that you should be in tune with what's going on in the college game. That way throughout your fantasy season from September to December, January, you can strategically make moves with, you know, draft picks, trading and acquiring players, you know, loading up on, you know, mid-round draft picks or whatever the case may be in anticipation for those potential prospects entering in their names for the NFL draft the upcoming year. But again, time and time again, I've, I've run into people who just don't, they don't care for the college game. Now, 
if if you are one of those people and you know what, this year you're going to change it up, you've decided that you're going to pay more attention to college football this fall, you want to be a better scout or have better insight going into your rookie drafts in 2020 because you heard the class was so stacked, but you have no clue where to start. You, you, do you just turn on the TV on Saturday morning to ESPN and just check out the first game that you see? Or do you wait until, you know, Saturday night and you turn to ABC and watch the marquee matchup? Well, I say to that, you start with your Power Five conferences. So that is your Pac-12, your Big Ten, the ACC, Big 12, and SEC. And the reason why you start here are most of your highly rated high school prospects, the, that those are the conferences, those those schools within those conferences are where they're aiming to play. That's where your three and four and five star recruits are, are going from high school to college to play football. And to even illustrate that point even more, the last non-power five school to even win the college football national championship was Notre Dame in 1988. And Notre Dame could easily be a member of any one of those power five conferences, but they remain independent for their own personal reasons. So before that, it was BYU in 1984. But that is where, by and large, your cream of the cream of the crop high school prospects, that's where they're going to play at. So I wanted to look at the offensive fantasy relevant players, right? So your quarterbacks, your running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and figure it out how many of those guys were actually drafted from these respective conferences. And how many of them were, you know, starters on their team for at least one season? How many of them made a Pro Bowl? How many of them were named first team all pro? And I came up with a list of five to one. And I looked at data from the years 2008 to 2018. And this is what the numbers show. So a little caveat to this exercise. One, there's been conference realignment over the past couple of years. So Texas A&M, a few years ago, used to be a part of the Big 12, along with Missouri. They have transitioned into the SEC. Um, you know, at one point in time, Boise State was in the WAC conference, and now they're in the Mountain West. So there's been conference realignment. So the numbers that I provide you take it for, you know, the respective conferences and what they look like today. And two, when I tell you that such and such conference has produced X number of all pro wide receivers. <clears throat> Just know that there are players in the NFL who are listed as a wide receiver who have made a Pro Bowl or been named first team all pro that produce little to no fantasy impact. Example, Matthew Slater, the New England Patriots. He is a wide receiver. He has made numerous Pro Bowls. He has been named first team all pro, but he's been named that as a gunner. But in this exercise, he's categorized as a wide receiver. So again, just a little caveat to this exercise. So let's just take a look at what this what the data shows. So if you were going to start this year, the the fifth, I guess the fifth highest conference of of matching criteria would be the Big 12. So since 2008, they've had 99 players drafted. Nine of those players have made at least one Pro Bowl. Five have garnered first team All Pro uh, accolades at, at least once, and 40 were starters at their respective position for at least one season. Coming in at four is the Big Ten. They've had 111 players drafted. Ten have made at least one Pro Bowl. Three have been named first-team All-Pro at least once, and 49 were starters at their respective position for at least one season. Third was the Pac-10, so stay up late and watch those... The Pac-12, excuse me, so stay up late and watch those Pac-12 games. They've had 114 players drafted. 
13 were made at least one Pro Bowl, two were named first-team All-Pro at least once, and 48 were starters at their respective position for at least one season. Two is the ACC. They've had 115 players drafted. 14 have made at least one Pro Bowl. Three have been named first-team All-Pro at least once, and they've had 44 starters for at least one season at their respective position. And surprise, surprise, coming in at number one, if you were going to just start watching college football this year or following you know, following the game more closely, the SEC is where you want to start. So that's your Alabama, your LSU, Arkansas, South Carolina, Florida, Texas A&M, Missouri. Those are the schools you want to pay attention to. Georgia, they've had 169 players drafted, offensive skill position players since 2008. 22 of them have made at least one Pro Bowl. Five have been named first team All-Pro at least once. And 70 of those players have been starters at least one season at their respective positions. So, you know, we always hear about the SEC is the, the best conference in college football. Well, I wouldn't say that, but as far as these four positional um, offensive positions that we're talking about since 2008, they've had the most drafted, they've had the most players make a Pro Bowl, and they've had the most starters um, in the NFL at their respective positions. So if you're going to start this fall paying a little more attention to the college game, the SEC is where you want to be, followed by the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and then the Big 12. So I'm so glad that the 2019 draft is behind us. It is in our rearview mirror. We've moved on. OTAs are starting, you know, because I, I truly think as fantasy analysts, as people who love this game, we were really, really overextending ourselves to like this class. I think that there are some fine prospects, some fine players in this class who are going to do great things for their respective NFL teams and and help them win and make good plays. But from a dynasty and fantasy perspective, it was not a good class. When we are getting excited about Terry McLaurin and Andy Isabella and people like that. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish their talent as football players and what they can bring to the table for their respective teams. But from a talent and dynasty standpoint, once you start diving into truly diving in to the 2020 and the 2021 class, you just see the talent disparity between the two and there are players who are going to fall outside the top 24 in the 2020 class that would easily been top 10 picks in the 2019 class. So I'm just, I'm glad that that is behind us and we can really start looking at what I believe between the 2020 and the 2021 class, it is going to usher in a new wave of talent in the NFL. It's going to push out a lot of these fringe players who are hanging on for dear life right now in the NFL, who haven't really established themselves as the starter, who have a, a ton of talent, but they just, for whatever reason, they're not pulling it together. I look at people like Aaron Jones, who have low draft capital on a team right now whose new head coach has no loyalty to him. They didn't draft him. Got players like Derrick Henry and Marlon Mack and, you know, older aging players, you know, Keenan Allen, A.J. Green. You know, what what's going to happen to these guys in the next couple of years? Well, I'll tell you right now, between the 2020 and 2021 class, there are going to be players in the NFL right now on your dynasty rosters who are phased out. And 
I think that on the first episode of this Debbie podcast, talking about the 2020 class would be, that's low-hanging fruit, right? We've got all fall to talk about Jerry Judy and Jalen Rager and Tyler Johnson and Travis Etienne and DeAndre Swift. We've got all fall to talk about those all-world talents. Let's take a look at the 2021 class because as excited as we are about 2020, we should be equally as excited about 2021. And I made the fatal mistake this past draft season, haphazardly trading away a 2021 first. You know, I was getting a high 2019 pick back and OJ Howard and something else. And I moved to 2021 first thinking, ah, it's two years out. No big deal. I can recoup, recoup that pick. I sure hope I can because that class has some 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 studs coming out as well. And it's it's way too early to rank them in any particular order. So we'll just kind of talk about them um, in, in regards to tiers. And I am omitting, trust me, I understand that Trevor Lawrence is coming out in the 2021 class. I'm not going to talk about Trevor Lawrence today. Tre- Trevor Lawrence is going to be fantastic. He would be one-on-one in the 2019 class right now as a true freshman, but I'm not going to include him in this exercise. So I've got a a tier one right now, an early tier one. I've got seven players in that tier, and I'm going to start out with Jamar Jefferson, the running back from Oregon State. He was a true freshman last year, 5'10", 211 pounds. He was a three-star recruit. He only had a couple of Division I offers, I believe, coming out of high school, and Coming into the season, he wasn't even scheduled to be the starting running back for Oregon State. They've got a guy named uh, Artavis Pierce who was came into the season as the starter. In two games, he rushed over 300 yards in the first two games of the season, and then he had an injury, I believe it was to his arm or to his elbow, and that injury pretty much knocked him out for the rest of the season. I think he got like 40 more touches throughout the entire season. Well, Jefferson ran for 1,380 yards, and he missed essentially two games. He got hurt in one game, didn't play in a bowl game. He was ninth in the NCAA in rushing. He was first in rushing for a freshman. I mean, he was phenomenal. This kid has got size. He's got speed. He's got power. Um, he wasn't a highly rated prospect coming out, but Oregon State's got a good track record of putting talented running backs in the NFL. Now, Pierce is coming back this season, so that you know, will he – see as many carries as he did last year? Probably not, but he has solidified himself as an integral part of that offense. And if he gets the volume, it's looking like he'll probably be a three and done player. So he's got next season and then his junior year, he'd probably forego a senior season and jump into the NFL. And if he does that, you know, day two, at least a day two pick, looking at where he is right now. And if you haven't watched Oregon State play, it's it's not a, a fun team to watch play, but Jefferson is damn good. And they're going to have some good battles watching him versus Eno Benjamin this year when Oregon State and Arizona State face off. That might be must-see TV. You might have two backs go for over 200 yards in that game because, I mean, that's all they really have. So keep him on your radar right now um, in upcoming Debbie drafts. Jamar Jefferson, number 22, running back, Oregon State. Another prospect that I have in this tier is Zamir White, six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. He was a five star, former five star recruit, number one running back in his class. He was nicknamed Zeus in high school because I mean he's just built like a man. In high school, he looked like a collegiate NFL running back against 
boys. He's an athletic freak. His uh, his his issue is he tore his ACL for the second time last year during fall camp. The repeated injuries are very very concerning. To have two ACL tears at such a young age. They say Georges is reporting that he is coming along okay and he should be ready uh, for you know training camp in the fall for fall camp. We'll see how that goes. You know he's definitely going to be the backup to DeAndre Swift, who is solidified as a starter, best running back in the nation. They've also got another guy there named James Cook, brother of Minnesota Vikings starting running back Dalvin Cook, who is explosive. He's a a great receiver. He can run between the tackles, and he got PT last year. So, you know, that's that's another mouth on that offense that they've got to feed the ball to. So, Zamir White has the talent, and even with the torn ACLs, his high school production, his physical stature, his makeup, his pedigree, if he does come out, if, if he comes back healthy and he comes out in 2021, he's going to be right up there as one of the top running backs drafted as long as he doesn't have any more injury setbacks and things of that nature. But Zamir White, I'm really excited to see what he does this season for Georgia. They may bring him on slow. Everything that I've been reading is they're going to take their time with him. They're not going to rush him back. But Zamir White is a name that you need to have on your Debbie Dynasty radars. Next name on the list is Justin Shorter, wide receiver, Penn State. Coming out of high school, he was six foot four, two hundred thirteen pounds. It's being reported now by Penn State that he has grown an inch and is now six foot five, and put on fifteen pounds, two hundred thirty pounds. Right? He was the number one wide receiver in his class coming out of high school, the number eight overall player in the nation. He was expected to come in and produce right away. This time last year, um, people were, were were saying that he was undoubtedly going to be uh, the Big Ten freshman of the year. He was going to put up all these numbers, Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders. It was going to be you know, the perfect pairing at wide receiver for that offense. But unfortunately, he had an injury um, in the offseason going into the 2018 uh, football season that kind of messed with him throughout the season. And Penn State's got this policy where they don't discuss injury specifics. So nobody truly knows what happened to him. But it's been reported that his high school coach said that it was a dislocated kneecap. I don't know what the complete recovery time for something like that is, but all I know is Shorter only played in four games and he caught three passes for a couple of yards. But because of that, he was able to keep his eligibility. So this season, he'll essentially be a redshirt freshman this year, which makes him eligible to enter the draft as a redshirt sophomore. He is so, so talented. I, I I can't wait to see Shorter on the field this season. If he is fully recovered from whatever injury that he suffered and Penn State's got somebody to get him the ball, they've got a running game. You know, they're not going to be able to key on. They've got Ricky Slade. They've got Journey Brown at running back. They're not going to be able to key in on, on Shorter on the outside. He is a man amongst boys. If If he can come in and do some of the things that he did in high school, this guy's going to shoot up and he'll be right up there at the top of uh, the 2021 class as far as wide receivers with his size, with his speed, athleticism and receiving ability. Justin Shorter, keep that name on your list. He made he didn't make any noise last year because he didn't play. But he is somebody that can come out of the gate screaming in that Big Ten, making plays. Justin Shorter, remember that name. Now, isn't it crazy how 
you know, a couple of years ago, Alabama was known for ball control, offense, you know, offense don't lose it for us. We're going to win it with defense. And now that they have one of the best quarterbacks that they've ever had in their history, probably the best quarterback, I mean, that offense is just explosive. And a big reason why last year, we're not going to talk about Jerry Judy, was true freshman Jalen Waddle, five foot 10, 175-pound former four-star recruit from Houston, Texas. Judy is fast. Henry Ruggs is faster. Jalen Waddle may be faster than all of them, and Ruggs has been reported to run a 4-2-40. Waddle, he caught 45 passes as a true freshman for 848 yards and seven touchdowns, which is insane. An average 18.8 yards a catch, which was 18th in the nation, had 233 yards on punt returns and one touchdown. He was the fourth string wide receiver. I mean, Jalen Waddle is, he is dynamite. He is so explosive with the ball in his hands. I love the way Alabama uses him to, you know, uses him within the offense to get the ball in there in, in his hands. And Tua, for as great as Jerry Judy is, he does a really good do- job distributing the ball. I mean, they had those four receivers plus Irv Smith, plus three running backs in the backfield. And it seemed like everybody got a piece of that pie. Waddle is only going to get better and better and better and better. He was a true freshman last year and caught 45 balls for 848 yards and seven TDs. You know, there's a good chance that Alabama loses their top three wideouts in the NFL draft. Judy's probably gone. Ruggs and Devonta Smith. That leaves that leaves uh, Jalen Waddle as the unquestioned number one walking into that 2020 college football season. And if that's the case with his game breaking speed. He is going to be somebody that the NFL teams covet. His game translates. He's got special teams ability. Waddle is poised for another outstanding season this year with Tua getting better, with attention probably being focused on Jerry Judy this year. Watch out for Jalen Waddle. All right, let's go to the West Coast and talk about Amin Ross St. Brown, six foot, 195 pound, former five star recruit. It's number two wide receiver in his class behind Justin Shorter, who we talked about a few minutes ago. He's the younger brother of Green Bay Packers wide receiver Equinemia St. Brown and Stanford starting wide receiver Osiris St. Brown. So the wide receiver lineage runs deep in that St. Brown family. USC, all right, let's just get this out of the way first. They were a mess offensively in 2018. The offense has been stale and stagnant since Clay Helton's been at the helm as the head coach. They started a true freshman quarterback in JT Daniels. The only good thing about that is Daniels was St. Brown's former high school teammate, so that connection should only grow in year two. But the offense is stale. They had hired Cliff Kingsbury to kind of ramp it back up. We all know the story that what happened with Cliff. He was there for, what, a week and left to go become the Arizona Cardinals head coach. They hired Graham Harrell, which should help open up that offense that should help JT Daniels. That should help Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughns. But St. Brown, as a true freshman, as a true freshman, he only started five games. He played in all 12, but he only started five games. He had a team best 60 catches for 750 yards and three touchdowns. He is, he's not as fast as Jalen Waddle, but you can tell just from a technique standpoint, as a route runner, as a technician, hands, toughness as a wide receiver. He's more polished as a wide receiver. He's a little bit bigger. 
Um, he's very fast in his own right. He's got great hands, tracks the ball really well. He's just so smooth. And, you know, he's at the upper echelon of my 2021 prospect class tier. And, and there's probably a little something there having, you know, a brother who is in the NFL and, and another brother who is a wide receiver at, at Stanford, you know, them training together. It's been reported that, you know, his father is like, crazy when it comes to working out and, and training these guys. But Amon Ross St. Brown is a true sophomore. I think with Graham Harrell at, at, at the offensive coordinator position and opening that offense up a little bit more will only allow him to shine. And right now I'd be comfortable taking Amon Ross St. Brown in the second round of Debbie startups. No questions asked. He's that talented. He's got the size. He's got the pedigree and he'll have opportunity this season to build upon you know, that outstanding true freshman season. Now we're getting to the top of the top of this 2021 tier. And, you know, almost at the top, I've got Justin Ross, six foot four, 200 pound, former four-star recruit wide receiver from Clemson. He was the number seven wide receiver in his class coming out. Now he plays on the national champion Clemson Tiger offense, which boasts probably the best quarterback that we've seen in college football since Peyton Manning. He's playing across from T. Higgins, who's going to be a top wide receiver in the 2020 class. He's got Travis Etienne, um, number one or number two running back in the 2021 class, in the 2020 class. So again, the talent around him is all world talent. But as a true freshman, we were impressed with Jalen Waddle's 45 grabs for 848 yards. Well, Justin Ross had one more catch. He had 46 catches. But he had 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. And what was even more impressive is on the biggest stage in the college football playoffs, he had his best two games of the season. Versus Notre Dame, he had six grabs for 148 yards and two touchdowns. Then the national championship game against um, Alabama, who has one of the best uh, young defensive back prospects in the country in Patrick Sertan, he had six catches for 153 yards and one touchdown. He averaged 21.7 yards per catch. I mean, he's 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 big, he's fast, he's got sure hands, and clearly he has made the most out of every single grab he has when 12 of his 46 catches went for touchdowns. You know, playing on one of the best offenses in the nation with the best quarterback in the nation, across from T. Higgins, and outside of Travis Etienne, I, I don't see how his stock takes a hit because he's going to perform. Trevor Lawrence is going to get him the ball. Justin Ross has got speed. He's got size. Um, just the way he tracks the ball. Just go on YouTube and type in Justin Ross and watch him just go up and, and make defenders look silly. He's got prototypical size that the NFL covets. He's a smooth route runner. Fantastic uh, contested catch wide receiver. Again, this is a player I said I would be comfortable taking Amon Ross St. Brown in the second round of Debbie startups. Justin Ross right now today is a top 10 Debbie pick right now. He is that good. And the only reason he's not at the tip top of this class is because a wide receiver from Purdue, Rondell Moore, is he is the person who is at the head of the 2021 class Right now, today, as we stand, Rondell Moore, five foot nine, hundred and seventy-five pound, former five-star recruit, the number one player in my tier right now. He 
I don't really, there are so many accolades to bestow upon Mr. Moore, right? Nobody saw this coming, what he did in 2018. So I'm just going to give you like a quick rundown of his accolades before we get into his game and statistics. He was named first team All-American by the AP, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, CBS, Football Writers Association of America, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Big Ten Wide Receiver of the Year, the first Big Ten um First Big Ten wide receiver and special teams, all all first team, all of that stuff, right? Broke the school record for all-purpose yards in a season, tied school records for most 100-yard receiving yards in a season. I mean, he did everything. He won the Paul Horning Award as the nation's most versatile player, and sometimes those awards are kind of just like, okay, he he won another award. But what's interesting about the Paul Horning Award is the last three offensive players to win that award – were Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> Again, he's in that rarefied air with his skill set. Now, he does not have the prototypical size. He's five foot nine, hundred and seventy-five pounds, probably closer to one eighty. But I just saw a video the other day on him uh, of him on Instagram squatting six hundred pounds. So he's got power. And when I watch his game, he reminds me of Steve Smith. And I'm not talking about end of the career, Baltimore Ravens, Steve Smith, who was still very good. I'm talking about Carolina Panthers, Jake DeLome to Steve Smith when he was a top two, top three receiver in the NFL. That's who he reminds me of. He's got speed. He's got power. He's got agility. He's got hands. He's got toughness. I mean, he caught 114 passes as a true freshman in 13 games, and he only started 10 of them. 114 balls for 1,258 yards and 12 touchdowns. He ran it 21 times for 213 yards, two more TDs. Returned 33 kickoffs for 662 yards and returned 12 punts for the hell of it for 82 yards. Right now, Debbie Startups, Rondell Moore is in the top five, period. And I know that you don't get to use him for two years. I mean, a lot of things could happen, but if I've got a top five pick, if you've got a top five pick and Rondell Moore isn't selected in it, within that top five, you're doing it wrong. Unless you're in a super flex. If you're in a super flex, I can see him dropping maybe to eighth or ninth. That's just because you've got to get Trevor Lawrence in there. Tua's got to be in there at super flex. But for Debbie startups right now, Rondell Moore is that special of a player. Now, do I think that he's going to catch 114 passes um, this college football season? Probably not. They're probably going to do everything in their power to to eliminate him from destroying their, you know, the opposing team's defense. I mean, he did it to Ohio State. In that game versus Ohio State, I think he had 11 catches for 170 yards and two TDs. I mean, he just, they could not handle him. That's how good Rondell Moore is. So if you have not seen a Purdue game, if you haven't watched, the highlights don't really do it justice because of the impact that he has on the field, right? I mean, even when he wasn't returning kickoffs for touchdowns, which he didn't have any, you know, running it up the running it up the gut for 42 yards and putting the offense in like like that's the type of impact that this player has. That's how special he is. Everything that I've read and seen, he's a hard worker off the field. He, he's working on his body, working on his craft off the field. Rondell Moore, he is, in my opinion, what I see right now, he is a Steve Smith clone. And if I've got a top five Debbie draft pick right now, Moore's in it, period. Check out Purdue. Watch Rondell Moore. Again, this is not a ranking. 
this is fluid. This is two years out, right? But don't discount those 2021 draft picks like I did. I just traded away haphazardly, not thinking about it. And I'm praying that I get that first round pick back. My pick was going to be low because I'm a contender regardless, but I will be working my ass off to get somebody to throw in the 2021 first because they're not thinking about it. And you might be able to capitalize as dynasty owners. This is why you listen to this podcast. You know at least seven names of potential prospects that are coming out who I'm telling you right now, of these seven players that I talked about right now, I would probably take all seven of them within the first 20 picks of the 2019 draft. All of them. Every last one of them, from Jamar Jefferson to Amon Ross St. Brown, they all would have gone within the top 20 in the 2019 class. So you have this information. Use it to your advantage. When you're working out a deal, hey, throw in the 2021 first for me or 2021 second. Now, most people aren't thinking about that right now. Some people haven't even had their 2019 rookie draft uh, drafts yet. So if you can acquire any picks from that 2021 class, it's going to be phenomenal. Stack it up. Tons of great talent in there. Don't sleep on 2021. Now for some rapid fire NFL and college football news and notes. Marvin Lewis, um, the former Cincinnati Bengals head coach, will be joining Herm Edwards on the Arizona State Sun Devils coaching staff. It won't be an on-field role for Lewis. He will be helping analyze film and game planning. The, the, the big news here is he will not have uh, direct contact, hopefully, with Eno Benjamin messing up his 2020 uh, draft perspective. So, hey, Lewis, whatever you're doing, stay away from Eno Benjamin and we're all good. An interesting development is five-star wide receiver Brew McCoy, who was sought after by every college in the nation, initially enrolled at USC. He later transferred to Texas after Cliff Kingsbury spurned USC and took the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. He was at UT for a semester and now is transferring back to USC. It's been reported that players have encouraged him to come back, that Graham Harrell's offense is a perfect fit for him. This is just, it's strange for a college prospect to start at one place, transfer somewhere else, and then transfer back to the place that he initially came from. But this does happen. This bodes well for the Trojans' offense. It helps Amon Rossane Brown out, helps JT Daniels out. It'd be a huge get for USC. We're not sure if he will be eligible to play this fall, being as he was at you know UT for a semester, but we'll see how the NCAA in this situation plays out. But huge get for USC to land Brew McCoy. Another name you need to have on your Debbie Radars. A little bit later down the line, 2022 prospect. In the NFL, one of the players that I'm rooting for uh, more than anybody this year is Deonta Foreman. Torres Achilles, after what looked like he started to break out uh, two years ago in his rookie season, missed essentially all of last year, but it's, it's reported that he is feeling great. He himself has said that he feels better than he has ever felt in any level of, of football in his life. You know, the Achilles tear is that that's an injury that we have not seen many people, especially from the running back position, come back from and be successful. So, you know, any positive news regarding Foreman and no setbacks is great news to hear. Trey Burton, tight end from the Chicago Bears, underwent sports hernia surgery. Burton was like a darling for everybody going into last year. Uh, leaving Philadelphia, Matt Nagy's offense, he was hyped up all offseason, is going to be the Travis Kelsey type player. And it just didn't materialize on a consistent week-to-week basis for Trey Burton. So this, I mean, this isn't 
ideal. This isn't what you want to hear, but hopefully it's early enough to where it doesn't affect him going into the NFL season. And I mean, he's still a top 10 fantasy tight end with with high upside potential. So just pay attention to Trey Burton. Ezekiel Elliott in the news again, and it's looking like the NFL is going to review the situation with him uh, knocking over a security guard. Uh, it looks like Ezekiel Elliott on the video was uh, intoxicated and got into some kind of altercation with a woman. I don't know what happened, but Zeke Elliott, once again, in the news, and I, I'm hoping it doesn't cost uh, Dynasty Orders games this year, but we'll see what ends up happening. This isn't his first run-in with the NFL or the authorities, so it's just not not a good look for Zeke. Out in Oakland, Darren Waller, uh, athletic tight end, He's sitting atop that depth chart. So if you're in tight end premium leagues, Darren Waller is somebody that you can grab probably off your waiver wire if you're quick for a little to no cost right now. He's got a lot of athleticism, and Jared Cook has departed. So Derek Carr needs somebody else besides Mr. Big Chest to throw the ball to. They drafted Foster Moreau, who I'm personally high on, but still the rookie at the tight end position. So take a look on your waiver wire for Darren Waller. Looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars have added more depth to the receiving core, signed Terrell Pryor. I mean, he hasn't done much since he broke out with the Browns, what, three years ago, back in 2016. But they signed him. We'll see if he makes the 53. Uh, he's going to have to prove himself during training camp. But, you know, another free flyer on your waiver wire that you can take a look at. And finally, Baltimore Ravens, some news not concerning Lamar Jackson throwing the ball, but somebody who would catch the ball if he can get it there. Chris Moore, they're saying that he's a potential breakout candidate. He's only 25 years old. Um I don't know how Baltimore's offense can support Chris Moore and Miles Boykin and Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. But if the beat writers are talking them up, somebody's worth uh, taking a shot on, you know, especially when you don't have to pay anything for him. That's going to do it for the first episode of the Destination Debbie podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please stick with me. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave me feedback on iTunes. Interact with me on Twitter. And I'll be back in a couple of days. I'm going to dive into some of the 2020 prospects who will be replacing some of the guys who were drafted in the first couple of rounds in the 2019 draft. So we can kind of see how they stack up to the Paris Campbells of the world, how they stack up to the Justice Hills of the world, because all of those teams have really good Debbie prospects replacing those guys who were just drafted. So I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, peace.